What's up, y'all? Respect the chat podcast episode 111 reloaded. Mm-hmm. And the reloaded was because we recorded 111, but it never came out <laughs> because just some some technical difficulties. Right? You want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, I the way I record here, uh, we got my computer, my PC running uh, the recording software. And I also play, you know, a few video games on my PC as well. And when I plug mm-hmm. in my controller, for some reason, it picks it up as an audio device. So when we were recording, pretty much I was talking through my controller. And uh, you can't be doing that. They don't care. There's no microphones on there. So um, we're back with 111, the real edition. Uh, hopefully That's you guys it. can hear me now. You can hear Mike. Mm-hmm. Hopefully uh, we're man. not talking through controllers anymore. No, I got the episode after we recorded it, excited for it, went out and started listening to it right away. And I heard myself. And then when it was Ryan's turn, I heard nothing. And I thought it was maybe my speaker. I thought it was maybe the way I downloaded it. Something was going on. I, I didn't think it was what you just explained. Right. Um, and then I hit Ryan up and he said, well, we got an issue here. So 111 never, the original one never came out mm-hmm. um, because all it is is me talking and then silence for 10 minutes and then that's Ryan talking and then it's me again talking again. So we had to get rid of that one. And then in between there, um, my son was born Santino Ace Paleno blessed the world with his presence. So I've been, we've been off for two weeks or so. So Mm -hmm. shout out to him. Um, Sonny is what we call him for short. So Ryan became an uncle. I became a dad. Um, Rich, who's also on with us, became an uncle as well as, you know, Rich is my brother, my other brother-in-law. Um, basically sandwiched between two brother-in-laws here (laughs) and my cousin Frankie who's semi-retired from podcasting if we could drag him out we will but that's where we've been for a couple weeks for us loyal listeners out there who um, always support us so we're back we have you know how we do sometimes full court episode where we just uh I mean fast break episode where we just go and we just hit on some topics that have been relevant Mm -hmm. and the one big one that I wanted to get your opinion on and I would have loved to hear Rich and I would love to hear Frankie on this as well. But uh, my man Dak Prescott gets paid. Oh, yeah. Paid. Paid. Oh, yeah. $160 million over four years, $66 million signing bonus. He'll probably make $75 million next year alone with the signing bonus and then his you know, his pay. But um, what do you think? Do you think that was a good move for Dallas? Are you happy for Dak? Just give me a rundown. Uh, yeah, I think what I've said on this podcast, which might have, you know, been last the the hidden episode i don't know if i touched on it before that but i think what dallas really needed was to see what they looked like without deck the i mentioned this point before but the funny thing about it is everyone was talking about how can deck prove you know he's worth all this money well the thing worked out for him where he didn't even need to play to prove it all he needed to do was show how essential he is to the team and i think it's a really good Obviously, a really good move for Dak. Uh, I think that he loves being in Dallas, being a Cowboy, and he's getting the money that he deserves. And in terms of Dallas, I think that you see how much the fan base and how much the team really, you know, surrounds themselves and you know clings to Dak Prescott. Where you don't, you you can't just bring in a talent and they have those other characteristics as well, like being a leader and being loved by the fans and by the you know organization that's not something you can find in just any old quarterback and i think Mm -hmm. that just the amount of support that he got when he went down with that injury just shows you know how 
good of a guy he is besides being a great football player. So uh, I think it was a really good move for both parties, and we'll see, you know, comeback player of the year probably mm-hmm. this upcoming mm-hmm. season depending what goes on. But I'm excited. And and obviously for me, I was, you know, wanting this guy back, um, not because I'm just a Cowboys fan, just because I seen a guy in Dak Prescott who laid it out on the line for his team mm-hmm. since we drafted him. Um, we're talking about a guy who never missed any game at all until he, you know, absolutely tore his leg up. It took an injury like that for him to miss a game. Uh, we're talking about a guy who's won NFC East championships. We're talking about a guy who has brought his team to the playoffs um, once or twice. We talk about a guy who's, you know, thrown for a bunch of yards, won a bunch of games, is a leader, is a guy that the teammates talk about running through a wall for him. The the Texas and the Dallas Cowboys and all the fans love this guy. That's the guy we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a guy who produces and who is a stand-up guy in the community and on the field, never an issue with him ever at all. And that was my whole thing is like the media is making a big deal all of a sudden about a guy getting paid. Since when are we like beefing about a a quarterback being paid all this money? They get paid the money when they're due for their money. That was the whole thing. I don't think it was should have ever been an issue of he's not producing enough because the guy produced what he needed to reduce with what he was given. It's not just on the quarterback for the reason why games are won and lost. That defense has been miserable since he's been there. It's been good once. You can't win consecutive games and big games if you don't have a defense that's going to make a stop for you, regardless of who is the quarterback. And now they they paid Zeke that time. Zeke went to Cabo. He had two years left on his deal. He Mm -hmm. never showed up. Mm -hmm. Never once did anyone say anything bad about him. They said, get your money, Zeke. You're the whole part of this team, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that was great. Except now when you have a guy who is in the position that Dak is, that's the total opposite of Zeke, does everything the right way, and doesn't hold out, never once said he would hold out, mm-hmm. showed up, played on franchise tags, and just for the 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 heat that he got, man, that, that was hurtful to me. And I, and I, I don't know if it was hurtful to him because I think he could block that out, but I just never understood why there was so much beef around it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Cowboys got him on uh, a cheap deal, you know, up to this point. Now yeah. they should have paid him two years ago when Wentz and Goff were getting paid in that right. same class where he was drafted and they would have got him cheaper, but you didn't. So you did it to yourself, Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones to now pay him in the point where he's going to cash out. And, oh, well, sorry that the coronavirus hit and the cap is going to come down and it's going to be a big chunk of your cap. But he even, the, the deal was structured so it wouldn't even hurt the cap that much. Yeah. And these guys could figure it out. GMs could figure those things out. So my next question is that I keep hearing all this silliness is, is that all of a sudden now, because he signed the big contract, it's Super Bowl or bust. Isn't hmm. it Super Bowl or bust for every single team? Yeah, I don't I, – I... I don't like those sort of uh, characteristics or, or criticisms. I'm sorry, criticisms of of players when they sign big contracts or when they join big teams. Like, oh well, you need to win a Super Bowl then to make this worth it. Like a like a super team in the NBA or a bunch of guys joining forces in the NFL. Like, oh you well you have to win. Well, why are you making moves otherwise? Are you not making moves regardless to win a Super Bowl? Are you not signing guys because you want to win a Super Bowl? Are you just signing guys to 
have an average season and get kicked out in the playoffs. Every year you want to win the Super Bowl. So to say that, well, now you got paid, you got to win the Super Bowl now. It's like, okay, paid or not, I'm still going to try to win. Yeah. Is that not the end goal? Is that not what you're trying to accomplish? So I just think that it's silly that I completely agree with you that that's the standard to hold them to all of a sudden. That's been the standard you got to hold them to. It's yeah. not that's that's been the standard regardless of what contract he's on. If you're the starting quarterback for a team like especially like the Dallas Cowboys, you want to be winning Super Bowls. You don't want to be, you know, going eight and eight and barely winning the NFC East or barely making the playoffs. And then being like, okay, well, I'm okay with this. No, you want to win every year. So right, it doesn't take a big contract for them to be Super Bowl or bust. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always it's always Super Bowl or bust for every one of these teams. There's not any more pressure on that. They didn't add um, like five different pieces that now this is a different team, and now the expectations are even higher than they were before. Right. All they did was re-sign their quarterback, who is. The man to me, you know, it is a, is a really good quarterback in the NFL. Some people put him in the top ten. Mm-hmm. You know, they put him at closer to ten. I don't. I put him a little bit. You know, maybe like at, out of the top five, I would put him in. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe six, seven around there, maybe eight, but not as low as ten. Neither here nor there. But the thing about it is, is like he didn't get the big money. Now that he got the big money, it doesn't mean well. Now it's Super Bowl or bust. Right. It was Super Bowl or bust when he took over as a starting as a starting job. The okay. same goes for everybody else in the league: Aaron Rodgers and and Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger and all these guys who get paid a lot of money. Patrick Mahomes. It's it's Super Bowl or bust for every one of them. Right. No one, regardless of the deal. Right. No one's celebrating a, a second round loss in the playoffs. Yeah, you make making the playoffs is important. Yes, that's that's something to be proud of. But at a certain point, at this highest level, these guys don't care about that. Th- making the playoffs should be the the default. You know, these guys care about winning Super Bowls. So when you go through a season and you're a seven, you know, whatever seven to nine team, and you don't make the playoffs one year, and then you make the playoffs another year, lose in the second round, just as an example. Are you remembering the difference between the two years? Or are you just remembering you didn't win again? Yeah. You're not remembering that. Oh well, this time we made it a little bit further. No, you want to win that year. So, in, in order to put that on, you know, Dak Prescott and be like, well, now, now you got to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, you had to win the Super Bowl anyway. So. Yep. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. And another guy who is in a starting position job, who we're not quite sure what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Who I find another very interesting. Um, topic is Russell Wilson. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on here at all. I heard Mike Greenberg say the other day, Russell Wilson coming out and saying and naming teams that he would, wouldn't would mind being traded to um, and saying that he's safe in Seattle is like someone being married um, for to somebody and then also saying, well, I also have four other people lined up in case this doesn't work out. Huh. It's like, well, then you're not really committed to that person. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. What is going on here? What do you make of this? I don't see, I don't, I haven't seen, you know, too much research myself. I've been really invested in the basketball season. So mm-hmm. I, I'm only hearing bits and pieces. I haven't done the full, you know, research of his situation, but from what I've heard and what I've seen, it seems like he is entertaining like the rumors of could the Seattle be looking for a change 
And he's like, all right, well, I know that no matter what, it's their loss. So if that's going to happen, then here's where I'd like to go. These, this place, this place, this place. But, you know, if it works out and I stay here, it'll, that'll be fine too. I, I know they need me anyway. That type of attitude. And it's like, what, what does those sort of things do to like a lot, not even a locker room situation, but like the organization as a whole? Cause then let's say you have another season that is disappointing and these are the things that are going on in the off season where, you know, your quarterback, your leader is entertaining. He's like, oh, well, I could be here. I could be there. I don't know what type of effect that would have on that team. And then just to uh, just to entertain the thought of him going somewhere else, like who wouldn't want Russell Wilson, you know? I mean, he has yeah. a point that, I mean, he's coming off a, a season where the first – few up to like maybe week 10 he was considered an mvp candidate Mm -hmm. so i i don't know at at this point it's it seems kind of silly you know he he did win them a super bowl but he hasn't in a while been a true contender for the super bowl um and at least in a few years Mm -hmm. so it'd be interesting to see what what they do but i i mean i just don't see i don't feel like that's where they're lacking i don't feel like the moves they could be making, you know, of all the positions they can improve on, quarterback isn't isn't the one I'd be thinking of. No, and I don't I, I never would have thought a guy like Russell Wilson would be disposable. Like that's a guy you want to keep at mm-hmm. any cost. Um, you know, he's saying it's offensive line issues, he needs guys to protect him, which I agree. He's saying he wants to be – this is what reports are. You know, mm-hmm. He wants to be more involved in the personnel and the people that they either trade for or draft, which I would give him all the power for that as well. Yeah. I would give Russell Wilson whatever he wants if I was Seattle or any other organization, if he was my quarterback, because he is the man that's going to make that team go. Of course, like I said before, the quarterback is one aspect, a big aspect, but – He's not getting what he needs to be successful on the offensive side of the ball. He's being he's getting what he needs to be successful for like the first seven games. Yeah. Nobody wins a Super Bowl in the first seven games. No. Nobody wins an MVP in the first seven games. It's the back end. And once the year starts going on, this team starts getting worse and worse year after year. Yeah. Seattle is not a threat to anyone. They haven't been a threat to anyone in the last couple of years. And Russell Wilson is frustrated with it, and I don't blame him for it at all. But I think what he's really saying is that I want to be at a place where I'm involved. I'm okay with being in Seattle, but I'm going to name these teams because I'm going to put some heat on the Seattle. Now, what does Seattle do? Does Seattle go get him what he wants? Or does Seattle say, man, you're making a lot of money. We can't make those moves. Or we maybe think that you're not in the plans moving forward. You know, maybe Pete Carroll's going to be gone soon, a new regime in there. I don't mm-hmm. see why a new co- a new coach wouldn't want to have Russell Wilson to step into, but I don't know if Russell Wilson it has in him to continue on playing for a team that's not going to involve him. I think that's a that, that's a theme, you know. Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. um, with the same deal, he wants more of an input. Um, Aaron Rodgers has wanted more of an input. Um, Tom Brady has got input. I think that's why he's been successful. But these quarterbacks, they want say in who they're going to be throwing the ball to 
who's going to be blocking for them, who they're going to hand the ball off to, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And these teams really need to start doing that and get off the high horse of, well, we're going to, we're the organization, we're going to dictate what's going on. Well, that's not going to be how it goes because you may lose a Russell Wilson. I just don't understand why quite the teams that he named though. I can understand the Cowboys. I can understand the Saints. I don't understand the Bears, which is to me seems like the one that he most likely may go to if the Bears can give up enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they were saying that Chicago just in the city, um, it being the city that it is and the organization, he'd like it to make it an organization where they build that name back up in Chicago after he's playing, that he has opportunities in the front office and stuff like that, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I just don't know how you let a guy like Deshaun Watson, I'm sorry, Russell Wilson, walk you know want to name four teams to be out of there because you won't give him the simple things of an offensive line you know and 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 say in what he's doing yeah completely agree it it seems like that's a good point because i I wasn't thinking about that it's like maybe he lists these teams just to apply the pressure just to let him know you know i i'm wanted by these teams so these are the things that i want and if I can't get them, then and I don't, I don't see from an organizational standpoint why you don't do that. It, if this is your guy, right? Like you're saying, unless unless you're thinking that he's not your guy, but I don't see why not. Uh, right. If this is your guy, why not give him the things he's asking for? And it's not like he's asking for more money. He's asking for some say, some input. He he's their leading rusher. That's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is insane, and most of it is because yes, he he's running for his life, not because he's yep. a running quarterback. He's not a running quarterback. No, his his runs are scrambles, you know, where he just has to make something out of nothing. So, I mean, he has a really good point that why not be able to pick the guys that are protecting him? And if you're the organization, then he's got no one else to blame but himself if you let him choose the guy. So, I don't know. To me, it, it seems like a silly situation. Again, I'm not a GM or anything like that. So I don't know the ins and outs of it, but from the surface level, it seems very silly. Yeah. And I think it's important that you brought up too. Usually these quarterbacks like, what? listen, I want more money. I'm producing more than what I'm being paid for. It's not it at all with him. He wants to win. So he was one needs personnel there. Mm-hmm. He, and it's been long enough where he's been the most sack quarterback year after year after year. And this team continues to throw a bum offensive line out there to protect one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL who they pay a ton of money to. Why not protect the guy who you pay a ton of money to, who if you do give him protection, he's going to get cooking and he's going to show you what he could do. doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting also that the, that the um, Kansas City Chiefs released two offensive linemen this week. Mm-hmm. One, a former number one in, in Eric Fisher. What are the Chiefs thinking, man? They, they didn't have an offensive line in that Super Bowl they had without both those guys and lost, but they said to themselves, well, we're okay with those guys. We're okay with once again, not protecting the number one guy. I didn't, I didn't understand that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I thought maybe when I saw that, I thought maybe they were planning something else, planning to bring some guys that, you know, were a bit better, maybe for cheaper uh, that they thought they saw some talent elsewhere uh, and then bolster up some other positions because they're paying Patrick Mahomes a ton of money, obviously. Yeah. The, yeah. One, of the, one of the biggest contracts in the NFL right now, obviously. And um, 
So so maybe that's what's on their mind. I really I genuinely have no idea what that move is if it wasn't that. The, if you're releasing these guys, you have to be thinking in your head, okay, I I know someone, I have an eye on someone better. I have an eye on a couple guys that we'll be okay with. And if you don't and you're just going to go with these backups who had Patrick Mahomes running for negative 400 yards, I I don't understand. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I guess that's one of those situations you have to wait and see how it plays out. It might be too early to tell. Like That's one of those things where that's the first step of something that maybe makes sense later. But as of right now, it, it doesn't make any sense. No, and there's going to be more people released. I think Casey Haywood was released today, the corner for the um, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more more guys released. Um, in the next couple of weeks, some big stars, I think, too. We're going to be switching teams over. So we'll give you guys more of that input in the coming episodes. Like I said, we wanted to get something out there. We've been in a hiatus for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of NFL. I had an NBA question. And particularly, um, before I get to this NBA question, fantasy basketball. You know, oh, the yeah. family fantasy basketball league, mouthful, always is, um, is in full effect. And everybody's right there with each other. This is a span of a two-week um, time where you're playing somebody because of all-star break. So you play you play one guy for the – usually instead of one week, it's now two weeks because of all-star break. Um, what's one player you would want on your team that you continuously look at each week? You're like, man, I wish that guy was on my team. <laughs> well, I mean, the easy answer is Jokic. I really wish I had yeah. Jokic. Um I could have gotten him instead of Trey Young, but uh, you know, you never do know in those situations. But if you, if I wasn't saying like a obvious pick, the number one overall fantasy guy, um, I would probably say I could have scooped up someone like Julius Randle. I could have picked yeah. up someone like Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are all top top ten guys that could have you know been grabbed in the fourth or fifth round Mm -hmm. uh yeah so guys like that i'd say one of those two just because that's an addition that you wouldn't have to give up much for you know that's someone that you don't have to give up your top three pick for that and those are the guys who are you know the guys who have those guys on their team are doing the best because they're late picks that ended up being some of the top prospects so and that's exactly it. Those are the two guys that I had in mind, mm-hmm. Sabonis and Randall, because you wouldn't have to give up one of your top picks of the guys that you got mm-hmm. to then add also those guys later in the rounds where you they really are such a great value. And Sabonis and Randall, they both play that, I believe, power forward center position. Does mm-hmm. Sabonis as well? Yes, he does. Okay, where you could put him in there and, man, you're getting – points as if you're getting another shooting guard in there you know or another guard of some sort um unbelievable those two guys those are definitely the two guys i had in mind that i would have liked to add to my fantasy basketball team um that really at this point you know now with the trade deadline over Mm -hmm. there's no budget and rich don't budge anyway yeah and uh who has sabonis do you know uh rj barrett's left nut (laughs) <laughs> one of the one of those nuts over there mm-hmm. got uh got Sabonis. I knew that. Um, before we get into a little NBA, because I want to know what you think about Blake Griffin going over to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the most entertaining player to watch in the NBA? I seen this question asked on social media the other day, and I said, "Man, 
That's interesting. Who's the most entertaining player to watch in the NBA right now? Um, it's give me between... give me a top three. Okay, top three. Uh, no order because I can't do an order. Uh, right. Kyrie Irving, uh, Steph Curry, and I would say it's close between Dame Lillard and James Harden. I mean, how do you beat that list? Right. You know what I'm saying? How, how do you beat that list at all? With no Durant playing, yeah, that's tough right now. Um, obviously, LeBron James is having a phenomenal year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely got to be, for me, one of the most exciting players still to watch. I got to pick Jokic, though, too, man. Ooh. That guy, what he could do at his size mm-hmm. and his ability is unreal to me and unmatched, I think, out of any player I've ever seen in NBA history. Of a man who's that size, who could run the floor, who could play every position, who could shoot as well as he could, mm-hmm. could rebound and pass as well as he could. It's like something I've never seen before. And I've been watching the NBA for a really long time, in, in you know, early 90s into the 2000s, you know, and I've never seen something like this before by the, this guy. And the crazy thing about it is he's one of the most, he's one of the slowest, most unathletic players in the NBA, which yes. you don't usually, you know, put that and phenomenal player in the same sentence no no not at all not at all and um so for me i i would say lebron jokic and luka Doncic. those are nice. the luka man has to be in there for me obviously like you said steph curry is in there too um if we're expanding the list a little bit and irving the handle is unreal getting to the hoop being healthy this year playing games you see how tremendous of a player he could be oh, James yeah. Harden always the ability to score the basketball is you know unmatched the NBA is in such good hands so um I just you know the, the Luka LeBron and and Jokic you know to me is like a combination because LeBron at his age to do what he's doing to me you know I'm not the biggest LeBron fan um if everyone if anyone knows me but I you know it's just for his age and what he's doing and how many minutes and games he's playing back to back. It's a, it's, it's crazy, man, it's insane, to be at, yeah, at that unreal. level for that long. It's, it, it's absolutely tremendous. So, um, get into Blake Griffin though and going to Brooklyn. What'd you think about this move? You think that was the best move for Blake, best spot he can go? Oh, for Blake. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you're joining a team where in your fi- final, in your long career, you're, you know, a, a favorite to win an NBA title or, uh, uh, you know, a top contender to win an NBA title. And you have little to no pressure on you. You're not going to a place where you're that, you know, you're that piece that they've been waiting for. You're going to a team where if it works out, it works out. If not, who cares? The team's going to be fine regardless. Uh, They didn't have to pay him a ton of money. They didn't have to, you know, give up a bunch for him. They just signed him and, see how it figures out you know throw him with the second unit uh let him run with Harden throwing lobs let him run with whoever on that team and I think I think it works out really good for Blake Griffin it's like you have no pressure on you no one's expecting you to be you know prime Blake Griffin if you grab a couple mm-hmm. boards score a couple points everyone's happy so yeah no I agree I think it's a great place for him I think anywhere else they may have expected more out of him or mm-hmm. needed more out of him than what he can give at this point in his career. I think Brooklyn is a place where he could come in with that second unit, um, even jump in with the starters every now and then yeah. and just float around and do things you know that other role players can't do. Mm-hmm. I think he's still very capable of playing good basketball 
It's just, you know, that athletic ability, that explosiveness, you know, is not really there as much. But he's still a really good player. And if he could, you know, kind of mold himself into a veteran-type guy whose game, you know, could be a pick-and-roll, could be a three-point shot every now and then, grab a couple rebounds, you know, play the role that really, at this point of his career, will extend his career, Mm -hmm. you know, would be great for a team like Brooklyn, but even better for him. You know, I want to see him be successful. I want to see him, you know, go out and, you know, maybe get a chip before he's done. So I definitely like him being there. Um, Why I picked him up in fantasy, because I thought he would end up somewhere where now I have a guy like Blake Griffin as basically a a role player, a better role player than I'm going to get anywhere else off the waiver wire. Just about how many games he plays and when he plays is going to be the real thing. Do you think that Brooklyn really said to themselves, because now that San Antonio, you know, parted ways with Marcus Aldridge, you think Brooklyn would have done better with waiting it out and grabbing Aldridge? Um, I don't know. I think that's another one of those scenarios where you get, um, you get a guy in Blake Griffin. Yeah, sure. If you wait, maybe you can grab a guy in Aldridge, but like I was saying before, it's not like they're expecting a ton, you know, they're not looking for a, another superstar player. They're looking for a guy who can play his role, doesn't need the ball, doesn't need, you know, a ton of spotlight. And not saying that LaMarcus Aldridge needs those things, but like it, it's like apples and oranges, you know? It's I don't think one would have been better than the other. It just all depends what they need him for. And I think that Blake Griffin will fit the role just fine. Will might Marcus Aldridge have fit it better? Maybe, but I think he, I think Lamarcus Aldridge still thinks he has, you know, some superstardom left in his career where he could be like uh, the opposite of what I was saying before, where if he does go to a team, he has that little bit more to offer than Blake Griffin would have, where he can be that, you know, that go to big man could score a few points. So that, yeah, I think that's, that would be my take on that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, Kyle Lowry, they're saying, is a, is a high, um, highly highly sought out player right now in the mm-hmm. NBA. Uh, John Collins from Atlanta, um, another guy uh, that people want. They're saying power forwards are really what people and what teams need in the NBA right now. Um, and John Collins fits that man with that guy's youth, age, and athleticism. If he could end up somewhere, he could make someone very very good, a team very good. Um, I would love him in New York. I would absolutely love if the New huh. York Knicks were able to snatch him up, place him with Julius Randle, Derrick Rose, and the rest of those guys over there who are playing 500 basketball right now and who are in about the fifth, the fifth, sixth spot in the East. Man, this is crazy. New York Knicks fans think this is like this is like the the championship for them right now, <laughs> man. And if they can get a guy like John Collins and add him to that team, mm-hmm. wow, man. I think Kyle Lowry um, is a guy who ends up maybe in Philly or ends up you know, maybe in Miami, you know, maybe somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a, you know, a team where they can give him a little bit more money. Um, that's where he ends up. But John Collins, I think on the deal he's on right now before he gets paid is going to end up somewhere on a rent, but that could really put a team in another level that they could say, listen, can convince him to stay, you know, we made a run here. Let's make a real run next year with a full camp and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like um, that. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I, 
I like these guys going to different teams, you know, especially John Collins doesn't look like Atlanta's going to put anything significant together in the next, you know, couple of years. They have a few pieces, but um, I think somewhere right now a team could use John Collins, uh, especially in the right way. And him and him and Trey Young has had some falling outs as well over the season that we've seen. So I, I don't know where I would like to see him. Uh, I def I can tell you what, I definitely don't want, Nick fans to get any more excited, so <laughs> so I'm okay with I'm okay with him going somewhere else. But Kyle Lowry, he's he's done everything for the for that Toronto team. Uh, it's definitely time for him, you know, to move on, get paid, do whatever he has to do. I think that the Raptors are, you know, respectful of that that he's given his entire career to them, and he's been remained loyal to them when there's times where he couldn't have been, even when they've been struggling. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely think that Philly would be a nice place for him. I'd I'd like to see him there, even though I'm not the biggest Philly fan. I think that'd be a good a good spot for him. Like we've been saying, get Ben Simmons off the ball. Maybe mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe something else could develop there with him playing a different position. But uh, especially with Embiid hurt right now, you yeah. know, maybe you get a little more offense in there. That, not a big man, but you know, maybe maybe they make a move for Aldridge over there in Philly. You know, get get somebody in there to match up with Aldridge, or just you know, put a band aid on that situation until Embiid can get back. But Lowry will definitely help you out, and regardless of what position you know you may need at, Lowry is a big time basketball player. Mm. Um, UFC two fifty nine was that last week? Two fifty nine. Yes. Pahovich versus Stylebender. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, man! Uh, I know you're. I know you're a big Izzy fan. Yeah. Um, we, you know, watching the fight. I thought it was a good fight. I like that he stepped up, Izzy. Um, he's a guy who now is has a loss on his record. But for me, as as a fan of the UFC, I've always felt this way. If you take a big challenge, losses mean nothing to me whatsoever. Yeah. That was a huge challenge that nobody is willing to take especially with the hype that he had mm-hmm. uh, Adesanya to step up to a 20 up 20 pounds to fight Jan Bohovic, who, I mean, put the world on notice. In my opinion, that guy is a real deal problem at the light heavyweight division. I think he's going to hold that belt for a little bit. He's going to fight Glover to here coming up soon. And then after that, I don't know where they go. Um, maybe Alexander Rankic maybe in there or if somebody else mm-hmm. comes up in between them. But as of right now, Jan Bohovich is holding down the lightweight division. Um, Izzy fights anyone else in that division, I think he wins and he becomes a double champ. Yeah. But Jan Bohovich is a force to be reckoned with. And I didn't realize how much of a force he's to be reckoned with until I seen him go against a guy who I hold in huge regard in Adesanya, mm-hmm. who can I think can, can fight at multiple weight levels yeah. um and Jan Bohovic just really showed why he is the champ at that division but what did you think of that fight yeah I know I just want to touch on what you said I think that he Israel Adesanya isn't the guy who's going to worry about you know his 20 and 0 record you know he's not going to worry about the O at the end he wants to win fights he wants to you know challenge himself and always step up to the next level if he got complacent and just fought middleweights for the rest of his career then you know i'm sure he could have rattled off maybe to 25 and who knows uh but like you said and like he said in the his post fight interviews like he's he's trying to dare to be great he wants to you know step up to that next challenge he wants to uh not be complacent and jan blahovich is this is a 
is a great fighter. He's no joke whatsoever. And uh, I've I've been I've been a believer in Jan Blachowicz. Um and in this in this fight was no different. I just think that what went differently was uh, his ability to keep Adesanya, uh, you know, at a comfortable distance and then take him down when he needed to. Uh, like Izzy said in his in his post fight interview, he knew that this would be Man, the best. Gotta, right? Could you hear that? No. What happened? Oh, okay. The phone, my the computer is tied to Corinne's phone. Yeah. So every time she has a FaceTime, I the phone the phone is ringing in my ear. Oh, like every everyone can hear it. No, it just goes to you. Okay. Okay. Cool. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. No, all good. But um, like I was saying, I think um, like as he said in his post fight interview, he was prepared for something like that. That was Jan Blachowicz's best, you know, way to a victory was to take him down, wrestle him. Uh, he's obviously the much bigger fighter. And that just seems so obvious that I thought that Izzy would be more prepared for that. And he said that he was prepared for it, but for some reason, you know, whatever, his legs were a little bit tired. He said he had to watch the tape. Maybe he got cut down a little bit more than uh, he thought he was taking damage to his legs and his lower body. So where he couldn't scramble as nice as he you know, practice and train to be able to get out of those positions. Cause I think that if those fights, you know, if he defends some of those takedowns and if he gets, even if he gets taken down, if he gets out of them, they don't seem as big as being taken down and laid on and, you know, completely dominated on the ground and in the clinch. Um, then maybe it'd be a bit of a closer decision. I don't know if he still would have won, but that's the, that's the way that I saw it going. And obviously, Blahovich is just was just too skilled, too strong, uh, and he was able to close it out. Yeah, man, that, that what a great um, fight to have at that light heavyweight division. Um, a guy coming up twenty pounds and Adesanya, who everybody got the hype around, mm-hmm. and Blahovich, a guy who's really trying to start to make his name mm-hmm. in that division. I think this fight keeps both of those fighters really, really popular in the UFC, and just tells you that each division has champs in it. That are right. unbelievable. Um, I just wanted to touch on. Ster- I just wanted to yeah. touch on one more thing about that fight, and uh, I, th- I just it came to my attention at the when Jan Blahovich was speaking. I thought it was really interesting. Was that uh, Joe Rogan asked him what was different about this fight than maybe you were expecting coming into the fight? Uh, did it go as planned, or was there anything mm-hmm. different? And I think that this speaks uh, volumes to how successful Izzy's been. At the middleweight level, he said that, you know, he was a little bit slower than he predicted. He thought he was going to be a little bit faster uh, because he was lighter, but he hit a lot harder than he was he was expecting him to yeah. hit. So I think that, you know, all these middleweights are coming in thinking that same thing. Maybe he's going to be quick. He's going to be precise, but he packs, a, you know, some power that that he'll put oh, yeah. on you that if you're not a big guy like Jan Blahovich, you know, you it's going to put you out those counters going to put you out. So some of those punches that Blahovich was taking would have put plenty of middleweights out on the ground cold. And, you know, he's getting his hand raised, but I just thought that was really interesting when he said, you know, he was preparing for a little bit of a faster fighter, but he, he hit a lot harder than he was expecting. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. Um, and that was something that me, Rich and you were talking about, um, leading into that fight, and Rich was saying, oh, you know, Behovich's weight, you know, 20 pounds, it's going to, 
it's gonna um it gives him an advantage and and i was saying it gives him an advantage in the grappling sense but like you said before i thought that izzy would prepare for that Mm -hmm. um and play that distance i think the smaller cage played in behovitz's um advantage Mm -hmm. that izzy can't can't get his distance that he was looking for and and you know kind of use the whole cage to have Bohovich chase him around a little bit and then counter off of that. Right. Um, but I, but we were saying that Izzy hits really hard mm-hmm. and Bohovich just, you know, br- brought that, you know, I mean, gave that even more validity is this guy hits really hard. And I just think Bohovich, him saying that he thought it was going to be faster than what he was. I just think Izzy didn't get off the punches that he needed to and the combos that he needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, at, but at middleweight, um, Izzy is extremely fast and is extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think makes him so dangerous. I just don't think that he could have got it off in that fight against Jan. Jan has a lot of power. I think Izzy was very, very aware of that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely a good point to bring up. And middleweights, that's why they're scared of this guy. That's why you got to be careful with this guy is because he can counter you with a huge amount of power that even light heavyweights are recognizing mm-hmm. um this is this division listen to these fights coming up in this division marvin vittori versus darren till mm-hmm. kevin holland versus Derek brunson Ooh. robert whitaker versus paulo costa all those wow. fights are in the middleweight division and one of those guys are gonna fight izzy it's gonna be um i, I hope it's either i really want to see either marvin vittori or kevin holland yeah. versus izzy i would love to see one of those two guys Kevin Holland would make an absolute amazing, Insane. amazing main event with Izzy. Yeah. That would be crazy. Uh, Marvin Vittori is a great fighter, man. He's another guy who I'd love to see in there. Darren Till, I mean, you know what Darren Till brings. If he could actually put it together, that would also be. There's so many great fights that are going to be in that power-packed middleweight division. Definitely. Um, what do you make of this Aljamain Sterling um, knee to the face? Winning the belt, <laughs> that was tough to watch, man. Oh, that was insane. Hit Peter Jan to to lose that way. Yeah, that that was just crazy, and it's like it it stinks, you know. And it's like as just watching the fight as a as a fan, it's like you never want a fight to end that way. But it's like if you're Aljamain Sterling, regardless of what people are gonna say, you know, oh, he's gonna, you know, he he knew he was gonna win the belt if he just laid down and. If you get you got to think about more than just, you know, winning a belt. You know, if you get up in that fight and you know that you can't you don't have your wits about you and you can't stand on your own two feet or or walk in your own, under your own power like he couldn't. A guy like Piotr Jan is not going to take it easy on you. He's no. he's going to come at you even harder knowing knowing that he's going to put you out cold and maybe now you can't fight for another year or so, 2 years <laughs> because you just took that much damage it's an illegal knee you know if you don't want an ending like that don't throw an illegal knee and i know they're saying he he i know he's saying he asked his corner and he's he's saying what do i do and they're telling him to do that and it, it, it's easy to get caught up in the moment you know i've never fought a professional fight or anything like that but you know the rules of the fight you know that this dude is on the ground you can't just knee him in the head you know you can't yeah, do those yeah. things so yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, it's a, you know, he. As soon as they put the bell on him, he threw it off. He's like, I don't want this. You know, it's unfortunate, but I don't think that he was putting on an act or anything like that. I think that he got kneed in the head, and regardless of whether he could have fought on or not, he shouldn't have. Yeah, and I think the controversy is 
um, that afterward he was posing with the belt and he was doing different things with Henry Cejudo and they were taking pictures and facing off together. Mm-hmm. So, and, and there was no sign of a concussion or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely think it would have been dangerous for him to continue on. Mm-hmm. I think the ref should have made that choice for him. I don't think a fighter is able to make a choice like that, given that moment, a conscious decision of what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Cause I think you can go one of two ways. It's like, well, okay, I'm just going to gr- get this belt and get out of here and take this disqualification. I think the other one is like, well, I don't want to win the belt this way. I'm going to get up and figure this out. And really you're more hurt than what you're, you know, recognizing and you're going to get hurt even more. Like you were saying, I just think it's an ugly situation. Um, I think, I, I think Jan really needs to be better at knowing what he can and can't do mm-hmm. and not ask his corner what he should be doing. It's he's a grounded opponent. Um, you know you cannot kick him or knee him in the face. You could punch him. Yeah. You could punch. You could have cracked him in his head, which which he had him at that point, which he could have really unloaded on him. Why knee? You know the knee. I know maybe it was just a. a people say it was a nat. Could it be a natural reaction? But it wasn't a natural reaction because he asked his corner yeah, what he, he needs to, to do. What he, he, had time, to do. he had the time to think about so, what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? It's like how do you call that a, a, a impulsive decision? It wasn't. He asked. He was conscious enough to ask his corner what to do and then actually did the opposite of what they told him to do. They told him to punch and he can and he need. So yeah. I don't know. I maybe have a lapse in that, in that time there, but that is such a great division that now gets kind of like clogged up yeah, with having to wait. see this rematch. Yeah. You yeah. got to see this rematch again. And with TJ Dillashaw coming back and Cody Garbrandt, maybe fighting soon. Um, Jose Aldo fighting in this division, you know, guys like Corey Sanhagen, who's on a tear, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Coming, coming through the, the, um, the ranks. It's like, now you, now we got to wait this out again. That kind of stinks. Yeah. So it was just a, that was kind of a failure of a fight, but we'll see how it goes. I think yeah, they're going to do the rematch. And the thing about it is, uh, about like the stuff about posing with the belt and no sign of concussions. Like you just you just fought and yeah, you were losing and that's a terrible way to win. But you that's not that doesn't take away from all the training and hard work that you did to put yourself in that situation. And if you have that adrenaline pumping, you know, you don't know you have a concussion without all those sort of tests. Uh, whether he had one or not, you know, with the adrenaline pumping, you're not going to be able to tell. Regardless if he's going to I don't I didn't see the full you know what was going on or whether he was being cocky about it or not but if you put in all that time and effort and you get that belt regardless of how you get it you know you're gonna take some time to enjoy it and if you're a fan just watching like oh i don't like that it's like well who cares you're not the one doing the work putting your your life on the line to go out there and fight somebody who just needs you in the head illegally and it's like i'm not even uh, like i like both these guys i'm not saying from one perspective or another i just seen so much hate for you know how it went down just because he was losing and it's like to me it doesn't make sense why there's that much hate where it's like it's an illegal strike he put in the the work and yes he was losing that fight he would have lost that fight if you know barring anything could, catastrophic but if you win the belt no matter what that's an accomplishment you know and you're gonna enjoy it what because who knows how long he'll have it if he'll if they have this rematch and Jan gets it back he's not getting another shot for a while he's gonna have to mm-hmm. work his way back up so I don't know if if that were me, you, maybe I wouldn't have made it as public. But I definitely would have would have enjoyed all you know the fruits of my labor. I, I worked that hard, and not the way that I would have liked it to go. But 
you know, it doesn't take away from all the training you do. Right, right. No, definitely. Um, great card that they put on the UFC. Great card tonight. And we'll and we'll end after talking about this. Yeah. Uh, Leon Rocky Edwards is back after a long hiatus against Balao. Remember the name Muhammad. Muhammad. Um, no, we, they've been trying to make Leon Edwards versus uh, Kazma uh, Kazma Chimaya for a long time. Yeah. Didn't work out. So Leon Edwards said, "Someone's got to step up and fight me." Balao Muhammad said, "I'll fight you." This fight is really good fight, man. This is a cool fight to watch tonight. It's oh, free. Yeah. This card is absolutely awesome. Um, I was saying a couple of other fights I really enjoy is Jonathan Martinez versus Davy Grant. I like Jonathan Martinez a lot. Another really exciting fighter in the bantamweight division. Mm-hmm. Um, Gavin Tucker versus Dan. How do you say his name again? Ing? Ige. 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 Yeah. Versus Dan Ige. I love Gavin Tucker, man. That's my boy right there. Mm-hmm. Um, from Canada, he's the man. Um, I really, really like that fight a lot. And this guy, Darren Stewart, who's fighting Eric um, Andre, is that his name? Eric Andres? Andres? Uh, my bad. I got I just lost it. I but this dude, right Darren, me. and once you see Darren Stewart, man, he's a beast. Another guy who's so good. Yeah, um, Anders. 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 Yeah. Eric Anders. Yeah, I like Darren Stewart, Jonathan Martinez, and Gavin Tucker, man. Those guys are definitely on the up and up and up in the UFC. Check them out, um, whoever's listening to us. But Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. How do you see it going? Whew. Who are you taking? I mean, this is this is a really good fight. I know it's it's a long time coming for you know Leon Edwards to get back in the ring and after going on a tear and everyone a lot of people say the most dangerous division and the most stacked division in the UFC or one of them at least. Uh, right up there with lightweight. Um, but in order for you know Bilal Muhammad to to get his name out there, I think this was a really good uh, decision for him to step up and fight a guy like this. Uh, I I don't know if it's something he's ready for. I he was just fighting you know on the prelims, his last fight. Uh, yeah. To step up to the main event is it's a big it's a big deal. Uh, I don't know what type of composure he'll have but it definitely no matter what anyone says you know it, it is a big deal to to be a main event headlining event going in uh with a different mentality and the nerves get to you but um that being said just from a strictly fighting standpoint i like leon edwards in this one uh as well i think that he he's just been waiting and he's frustrated and i think he's ready to go and uh i think he'll he'll remind a lot of people why he should be in line for you know a couple big fights coming up. Yeah, and, and they're saying if he wins this, um, he's going to get the next title shot. If yep. Edwards wins, he's going to get the title shot. I'm sure Muhammad thinks the same for himself mm-hmm. as well. If that happens, you know, we'll see what they go with that. Uh, they, I feel like they got a better excuse if Muhammad wins not to give it to him. But if Edwards wins, they cannot deny this guy. He's yeah. on like an eight and nine fight win streak. Do you think the ring rust, that's something that I was thinking about a lot that a lot of guys say, you know, you're not in the octagon for a while. It's takes a little bit to get used to getting back in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Leon Edwards has been out for about a year, a little over a year or so, maybe a year and a half. Um, you think that affects him at all? Because Muhammad's been in there, man. It mm-hmm. feels like through the whole pandemic, Bilal, remember the name Muhammad, <laughs> another a great nickname. I know oh, yeah. you love loved the we nicknames. We love the nicknames. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, remember the name Muhammad's been in there, you know, the whole uh, – you can't forget his name. No. Because 
He's in every weekend fighting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He is in there, bro, throwing hands, moving forward, wrestling guys, great cardio. This is a problem for a guy like Leon Edwards to get in there after a year and a half and fight. Like, this isn't like, yeah. you know, someone walking in there and being like, oh, I got this a warm-up one. I'm going to get this one and then move on. Definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. And I think what I was saying about Bilal Muhammad, the same goes for Leon Edwards, where it's like those that mentality that you have coming in is different because you can train all you want until you step into the octagon, you know, on fight night and and stand across from your opponent, you know, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, sometimes some fighters get, you know, too hyped up, too hyperactive where they, they gas themselves out too quickly, you know, and that's the that's the type of thing that I think you get from the ring experience where it's like you know how to pace yourself because you you've been in the ring, you've been fighting for mm. consecutive amount of time. Sometimes that I feel like that can, you know, be lost in in your memory of okay, I got to control this. I got to I know when I can do this cuz it's different like we were just saying when you're actually in the event. So That'll be interesting. So, so Bilal stepping up into the spotlight, and then Leon Edwards coming back. I think those are two things that, if they can get past those mental barriers, uh, both guys will be super prepared for a really good fight. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and um, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Respect the chat oh, yeah. is up in the building. We're gonna be more consistent. Sunny Boy is here. He's born. Thank everyone for um, all their best wishes and um, love and appreciation that they have shown me and my family over this time. And this is a great time, man. To be a dad is something I always wanted to be for a really long time. And, um, you know, God has blessed me with an amazing son, man. This guy is, besides, um, you know, I got not getting sleep for the last week hmm. um, and uh, and changing diapers and being peed on and stuff like that. You know, the rest is great. The rest <laughs> is absolutely great, man. No, it's been great and awesome, man. And I know Ryan was here visiting us yep. in um, in Milford slash Digman's area that we got that he got to meet his nephew. And um, this is going to be awesome, man. This journey is going to be great. Um, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a therapist. That's my regular job day to day. I'm going to be a podcast, you know, host or contributor, whatever it is. I mean, we're going to do our best. Mm -hmm. You know, we're very busy guys. Ryan's busy out there in Pittsburgh doing his thing too. Um, you may hear some episodes from him and the homeboys out there in Pittsburgh, man, giving you guys what you want to hear. We're going to try to do an episode on Wednesday, right? To do the the tournament, break down the tournament or so. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So for those of you listening to this one, we didn't forget about March Madness. You know, we're going to leave it all because there's just so much to talk yeah. about. Um, there's just so much content surrounding it that it, it did definitely needs its own episode. We we agreed, so uh, we're gonna bring that to you. We're gonna try our best to get it out Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever before the tournament uh, actually begins. So we're gonna see tomorrow uh, selection Sunday. I'll be releasing this Saturday night. Um, so we'll see what teams are in, but you know it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Respect the chat episode one eleven. The sunny episode, man. Woo. Shout out to him. Oh, yeah. And uh, we love y'all and appreciate y'all. We out. Peace.